I think that one mistake that many trainers make is just trying to be something that they're not or be somebody that they're not. Everyone's trying to be an Instagram trainer. And there are some accounts that have huge, massive followings. And a lot of people follow them to get inspiration for their own training businesses that they're trying to develop and build. And that's great. You got to do that because that's how you learn. Some of the greatest coaches are those that stole the most ideas from other coaches. But it's important to always package it in your own way. You ready for this, Evan? You ready for this? This is episode 38. Episode 38 of the Footy Pod is brought to you by Powerade. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. We're not sponsored by Powerade. In fact, I prefer Gatorade, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Get out of here. Sorry, Mila, didn't mean to scare you. Come over here, come sit. She just ate dinner. This is episode 38. And I had an idea for this episode, Evan. My idea was to discuss how to separate yourself as a trainer. And I think a lot of the principles of, you know, branding yourself as a trainer or a coach can apply to that of a player as well. Yeah. But we're going to talk specifically about how to make yourself unique as a trainer and how to kind of market yourself in a way. Yeah. Um, and I was going to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I never got around to it. <laughs> That's why we're uh, a couple weeks late on episode 38. But it happens sometimes. Life happens. It does happen. Life does happen, and it comes at you fast. But you're here today, so I figured I'd invite you onto this episode, which is probably better anyways, because you have your own style as a coach and a trainer, and uh, you know you have your own background and perspective and experiences, and that has all shaped the type of trainer and coach you are today. So I think just to kind of swing the first, the first. What am I trying to say? <laughs> Swing at the first ball here. Yeah. Just to get the ball rolling is what I'm trying to say. So just to get the ball rolling, I think that one mistake that many trainers make is just trying to be something that they're not or be somebody that they're not. You know, in this day and age, in the Instagram era, everyone's trying to be an Instagram trainer. And, um, you know, we post a lot of stuff on, on social media, of course, like that's a important way to market your business. Exactly. And there are some accounts that have huge, massive followings and a lot of people follow them to get inspiration for their own training businesses that they're trying to develop and build. And that's great. You got to do that because that's how you learn. You know, I think that Also, like some of the greatest coaches are those that stole the most ideas from other coaches. So it's critical that you are exposing yourself to as much of that as you possibly can and trying to take in all different perspectives and ideas and and um, styles of training that you can. But it's important to always 
package it in your own way and not just directly copy something that you see. No, you can just use it as like a, as a bit of inspiration or maybe you're going to see them doing something that you might not even think of. And then from there alone, you can kind of get your own ideas on it. Of course. I think the main thing to understand is like, you're never going to be as good as someone else at anything that someone else does, whatever it may be, right? Because they're the only them and you're the only you. So whatever it is they're doing, that's them. But you can't go and do exactly what they're doing as good as they are. You almost lost me. <laughs> you're following me. You're following me, though. It's like that quote, is it like the comparison is the thief of joy or something like that? I found a good quote that kind of correlates to that. Let me see if I can find it. But yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if we sit here and compare ourselves to others, we lose sight of what makes us unique and what ultimately is going to bring us the most fulfillment in whatever it is we do. I can't find that quote, but it was something along those lines, right? I've seen a lot of other trainers and, and, you know, the types of exercises that they do even, maybe it's a direct copy of somebody else's, which is totally okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But how are you adding your own voice to that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of the times, I mean, obviously I know kind of what we're talking about along the lines of certain drills that we see online. It almost seems like it's almost just like robotic or it's not necessarily repetitive because sometimes you need to be repetitive when you're trying to get better at something, but it's almost stuff where it doesn't feel like, it just doesn't feel like it's really beneficial to the player. Like, it seems like it's like, oh, they saw this as a drill. They know this player needs to work on this, so we're just going to throw them into that. And I feel like some coaches get so fixated on the drill itself, like making sure the drill is down to a T or making sure it looks like just what they saw online, that they miss the most important part, which is the player. You know, and it's making sure that even if they are kind of doing that drill, it's that they're more focused on kind of the player and how they're progressing through it, what they're struggling with, kind of how they can adapt with it, as opposed to just this specific pattern of ball mastery, this specific pattern of movement to cones and things like that, you know? Yeah, and that's, a, that's the main thing. It's about the player, yeah. right? So how are you benefiting the player? You know, not just satisfying your own ego in that situation, so I guess let's just like, let's kind of start by, why don't you explain like what your identity is as a trainer and kind of where that came from? Because I think the first, I guess before we can even define our own identity, we got to know what shaped that identity. So like what were your experiences that kind of molded you into the type of coach you may be now? I think a lot of it comes down to just almost seeing myself in a lot of the players that I train and kind of, uh, I know we've had the pleasure of obviously a good amount of the kids that we've coached or that we coach now, we had been coaching at some point, like kind of on a team level, or we even go like kind of watch them with their teams or, you know, we watch like film kind of things like that. And just, I think the most important thing is just like trying to see yourself in the player and talking to the player and talking to kind of the parent or the coach and kind of seeing kind of what they might notice about that player, but then also talking to the player themselves and just really getting an idea of where I think 
they might be struggling with the most on the field and just kind of try to hone in on that. But why do you see yourself in those players? Like what what makes you l- like look at that first? Because I think if I had – I like to think of it like every time I go out for a session and I coach the kids, I want it to be like almost like if I was in their shoes whenever I was their age. And obviously, we both had dreams of going pro. We didn't quite get there. We always had good careers. But I like to think, like, hey, like maybe if I had someone coaching me, like, kind of how I'm trying to coach when I was that age for an extended period of time, that I would have been a lot better of a player. And so I think that's kind of the main reason why I even like to, like to coach in the first place. I'm like, well, I love it type of thing. But, yeah, I think it's really just seeing yourself because you're not going to want to you'd be upset if you for coach gave you a crappy session or if they didn't really care about it or they kind of half-assed it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, that's a, I think that's a good area to start in, but most importantly is just kind of the confidence because, I mean, as I'm coaching these kids, I'm growing confidence in myself as a trainer, and I like to think that I'm helping them grow confidence in themselves too as a player. And so I think it's kind of equal along the way. So I don't think I'm quite quite where I'm, where I'm going to be at when I'm coaching right now. Like, I think I can always get better and stuff. Just like I think the players can always be better too. Hundred percent. So, did you have trainers growing up? It's so not really. So, I mean, I went obviously went to rec late, or I was in rec for a while, and then I went to club late, and then I uh, went to club probably like my freshman year of high school, and then the coach that I had, he recommended me getting trained, and then one of the guys you had on the first season of the podcast, Abdul, who man helped me a lot. But I can't fully remember like the drills and stuff that I worked on. I just remember him being like someone that was really kind of passionate about training me, someone who I really cared, who I can tell, like, listen to my feedback, listen to my coach, but more importantly, someone that, like, was willing to, you know, slow things down when we needed to, or we can maybe speed things up if we needed to, but it was more so him actually trying to get me confident, trying to get me comfortable. So what was his style? I mean, his style, man, that was so long ago. From what I remember, I mean, it was, it was, Kind of drill specific to the position I would say I was in. He was definitely kind of hard on me. Like he, he always wanted the intensity at the level that he kind of set the session at. If that makes sense. So if it was like just focusing on technique, on passing, or on shooting, obviously it wouldn't be as fast paced as if we were working on like dribbling and one v ones and stuff like that. But he had a really good uh, way of just really kind of matching the, I guess, the trajectory of the session or the progressions based on kind of kind of how I was doing. So it was one of those, like, you know, like, he clearly had a session plan, like we always do, and kind of going back to the ones we saw around where people just running through drills and kind of seeing them struggling, but as long as they do the pattern right, it's fine. It's like, no, nah, it's not fine. So he was able to adjust yeah, yeah. and adapt to you. Exactly. Yeah, it was adjust, adapt to me. Even if, like, there was something in the session that he wanted to progress with that I wasn't getting, he wasn't just going to be like, oh, no, we'll just skip over that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, nah, like, you're here to clearly get better. Just because we're not going to exactly do the session that I had planned out for you doesn't mean we're not going to get anything out of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like you and I both do as coaches, you know? And I mean, obviously, it's, it is frustrating at times when you think a player can do the things you're kind of planning for, and you might have to kind of steer off the horse of that. But you have to remember, just because you don't necessarily get through the whole session and you get where you think they should get to, that doesn't mean that it's a bad session. Just because you spend maybe 30 minutes instead of these 15 minutes focusing on this, sure you can get to that other 15, but you know what you did with them was more beneficial than just skipping over and going to that next part. And I think that was the thing that probably worked with Abdul the most. Because I know when I started with him, it was a lot of just first touch, really getting the passing down. Because I already, was, I already had like all the athletic side of it. It was just really 
trying to get the the ball work, I guess, which you need dribbling, passing, confidence, that type of stuff. That was mainly me trying to get that up to speed with the rest of me. And so I think he did a really good job at just kind of slowing me down at times, really breaking things down, really kind of focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah. But he's definitely, he's definitely intense, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like there, there's like coaches are there for a reason is to bring more out of you than you knew that you ha- had yourself, right? So there is that balance of meeting the player where they're at, but them also meeting you as a trainer where you're at. And I think the best trainers can find that balance all the time in every session. And of course, like, you know, you have good days, you have bad days, but I guess the most important thing is that you're always aware of it and you're trying to find that because that's what, that's to me what peak performance as a trainer looks like. You know, if you talk about peak performance as a player, like are you performing at your best, but then also, you know, exceeding that limit, right? And stretching your boundaries. And so it's the same thing as a trainer, like, are you meeting the player at their limit, but then stretching their boundaries? So, you know, for me, like I never had a trainer and, and like you said, like we both had good careers, but I feel like my career was just like that, like a blink of an eye because I didn't even, I didn't even really start playing competitively till later. And I didn't have any, anyone, a coach, a trainer, parents that even like supported me in that way and like even gave me any sort of like idea of how to make myself better how to develop myself and or or any kind of guidance on you know like what steps to take to do that right and so everything that I learned was completely from myself and observation and watching other people And so, you know, then obviously the injury bug got me in college. So I was like, as soon as I felt like I was like finally like figuring it out and starting to like feel the development within myself, like my body just didn't give me a chance. It's, it's, it's frustrating, of course, you know, so I I just haven't even had that full window to enjoy of my playing days. And, and so that's why I still really like, feel like I want to keep going and every step along the way I've learned more and more about myself and how to get better and then and then from that how to help others get better too so my my view on things and the way I look at it is similar to yours in that like I see myself in the player to an extent I actually I wouldn't say that even. I don't think I see myself in the player. But what I see is how can I give this player what I would have needed when they when I was their age, when I was at their level, yeah. right? So like you put yourself in their shoes not as much as like you see themselves. Almost like I'm training myself. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. almost like I'm training myself. So to an extent what you're saying. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I get the difference though. Right. But like, I almost look, I almost look at each kid like they are me, you know, and like, what does this kid need that I needed if I was them? And so it's somewhat what you're saying, but it's almost like I am coaching me 
from when I was younger. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah, does it? Yeah, you're almost kind of like fulfilling what you think you might need to do. Yeah, exactly. So like every piece of coaching that I offer is like, what could have helped me in that moment, you know? And, um, and, and that, and that is really what has kind of like developed my whole, I like my, my whole, uh, coaching philosophy really and my whole identity as a trainer. Um, I think that like our, our, like I said before, our experiences, our background helps kind of form who we ultimately want to become as a trainer, yeah. but we never are going to fully just know, yeah. right? And so, like, like you know, going back to what we said at the very beginning, like, who are you? What makes you unique? Maybe you don't even know that yet. And, and that's something that, like, I'm still trying to figure out. You're still trying to figure out. But I know what I'm not. You know what I mean? And so I don't want to go out there and try to be something that I'm not. I'm not going to look at another trainer on Instagram and just try to be them. Like, I know what my personality is. My personality is like, I, I feel like I'm a genuine person. I feel like I have good intentions. And I feel like, you know, I, I truly want to help. Like, I'm not going to be someone out there that's just constantly shouting the whole time. And just like making noise. I'm a personable person, but I'm not necessarily like the most outgoing. And so I'm not going to be someone that's just like constantly like energetic and constantly buzzing around and like being loud because that's not who I am. But what I am going to do is I'm going to observe and I am going to bring a lot of energy at certain times when... I feel the need to when when the session calls for it or when the player needs it, right? But most of the time, I'm going to save my voice for the moments that it is where I can bring the most value. Yeah. And and so I try to be very intentional with my words. And sometimes I feel like Maybe I don't express things the way that I'm thinking them in my head, but I'm always practicing, right? And even just doing this podcast, like I'm practicing. And so in a session, like I'm going to make sure when I open my mouth and when I say something, it's going to be something of value that actually helps that player. If you talk, if you just talk 24 seven about the whole session, like, the most important things you want to get across, they might end up tuning out. They they just get lost. They might just tune out on accident. Yeah, and that's something I even kind of realized. I I think when I first started with my private training, I was quiet, and then I went through a phase where I was pretty vocal. But I've noticed with like particularly two of the boys I'm training right now, like I'll train them separately and I'll train them together. And when I train them separately, I like to talk more than I do when I train them together because I'm trying to get them to almost bring the energy out of each other mm -hmm. if that makes sense because they're they're fairly young i mean they're like nine years old but like they know they obviously they're gonna ask for the ball they also they obviously know when the other player doesn't play with the ball so i'm already trying to kind of get that into it a little bit but i even caught myself at times like really just trying to like almost like guide the session like i'm pushing them in a sense where it's like like sure the passing is good but it's a little slow so that i'm the one that's like constantly oh, give it give it give it give it yeah. give it but then I'll, I'll find myself, I'll do that for a little bit. I'll stop. I'll talk to him and be like, hey, like, 
you got to think about it like this. When you're on the field, if your coach has to be the one that's going to be demanding that from you the whole time, I guarantee you're not going to feel for long. So I'm still going to be here to talk, to be to communicate, but let's see if we can go a bit where it's just you two point out of each other. And yeah. I've noticed that at times like that, there you go, so you have to remind them of that. But I've noticed once kind of you make it known, like, hey, like this this is now on you guys for a little bit. Like, let's figure this out. It might be kind of my style with it, but I've definitely seen improvements with them in that sense. So I definitely kind of agree with you where you're talking about, like, just not being vocal the whole time. Because it's, uh, that's just, I don't like that. Yeah, and I think it just, I don't think it's good for the play. It's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying. And I, I get annoyed with my own voice if I'm talking that much. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, like, and, and, and like you were getting at, like the communication aspect is an important trait to have as a player. Like you can, you will, you will never be the player that you can be if you don't know how to communicate information. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's something that you have to teach them. Right. And so encouraging that in the training by not doing all the communication for them. And all, you know, and all the talking, like whether it's nonverbal or verbal communication, um, you know, that's that's super important. So, like, what would you say is then your style as a trainer? Like you talked about kind of what shaped your identity, like and your experiences and how you view yourself as a coach and and kind of what you look at when you're running a training for a player but what would you say your style is it's a good question i'm trying to think well think about it now i am trying to think we got to give a good answer for it um so what would you say are some different like styles of coaching that you would say so you would say just so i kind of want to kind of ballpark off of it i mean like you know we said before one that's very loud and like just constantly chatting the whole time whether it's you know useful information or not um someone that you know maybe like just is is more of someone that's just going to relate to the players and maybe not provide as much like soccer value or maybe someone on the exact reverse side of that who you know, doesn't make a connection with the players at all, but does provide a lot of value in terms of soccer. I don't know. Those are just a few. I would say my style is kind of like, I I like to relate to the player. So obviously, as you kind of have a player a little more, you can kind of start to be a little more comfortable with them and they start to kind of open up a little more. I definitely like it when I'm able to kind of like talk to my players a little more and really just kind of, kind of just maybe not necessarily ask them like, what they think they did wrong, they did bad, and like kind of base a session on that. But just kind of like being aware of what they're confident in and what they're not confident in, and then just trying to like kind of build them up kind of based on that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Like I, I think my style of coaching is um, I communicate where I need to. I think I'm very, uh, like, I like to show, kind of show them kind of what I want. 
So maybe, I don't know, I guess, I guess like to paint the picture for him in a sense, like to act it out. But I would say more importantly, it's just like, I like, I think my style is just really trying to get them to just bring it out of themselves, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, just trying to, it's kind of, kind of a hard question. You can drop that on me there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think back to kind of what I said at the beginning, like, I guess my style, I like to relate to the player, and so I like to kind of, uh, see what I think they would really need and then kind of base it off of that. So like I'm kind of like I mentioned how I'll be like real talkative but then if I feel like I'm really the only reason they're starting to speed things up, I'll kind of like bring that up to them and I'll relate it to a game. And then maybe if they're not really getting a certain part of the session, I'll slow it down and then I'll kind of relate it to a game. Because I think that's one thing that kind of helped me when I was younger working with Abdul or even just at practice is whenever I would kind of see something and they would kind of paint it for me in a picture of like kind of picturing myself in the game doing it. Then that kind of made me not necessarily try hard, but maybe focus a little more and maybe kind of really see why I'm doing what I'm doing. So maybe instead of this, these kids just kind of like opening up off this cone and turning this way and passing it and doing that, I like to kind of be like, oh, well, maybe if you're, you're in a game and you got to find some space between some players, you're going to do this. And then, then this kind of might happen and then just kind of really kind of getting in on that just so then once they do it hopefully then when they're in the game they can kind of kind of see exactly what that is or at least at least when they get in the game they're not like oh this is new yeah type of thing for me it's that like making everything related to the game as much as possible and you know so that's that's one piece of it the other side of it, like we were saying before, is is the energy. Like I want to, I am confident in what I do, and I want to bring confidence into the player. And so, you know, depending on where they're at, what their level is, you know, their age, and those kinds of things, it determines how you need to communicate to them. And you know, if they're a beginner, like I'm obviously going to let a lot of mistakes go. You know, and I'm going like I'm, I'm I see it, you know, but I don't have to say everything single one like I'm going to let them figure out some of them on their own. But I am going to reinforce the positive things that they're doing. But I'm also not going to let them just get away with not doing it right either. So if if it's a beginner, I might be communicating a lot more, you know, I might be bringing a lot more positive energy to a session. If it's maybe like a more a much more advanced player who's a little bit older, like I might get more aggressive with them. Like maybe maybe they do understand how to do things the right way, but they're just not focusing on doing it the right way. And so they're having little mental lapses of concentration that is affecting the consistency of their quality. And if you can't build the consistency in an isolated setting like that, then it's never going to happen in a group setting, in a team setting, in a game. So it's hammering that home, like not letting them get away with the mistakes. Like it needs to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like you are striving for perfection in a session like that. So like sometimes I will get a little bit more aggressive with them in that way, in, in, my commu- in, in the way that I communicate with them, in my body language. Um, depending on if it's a boy or a girl, like that might affect how I communicate with them as well. If it's a professional, like a college player, a lot of college players are, you know, rough. They need some work. So I might be more aggressive with them too. Um, But like a professional player is sharp. 
like a high level college player is sharp. There might be some small things that you need to tweak, but most of the time, like you don't have to make it super complex for them. You just need to do the simple things and do them consistently. Just need reps, just need reps at good speed. And it's just about like, um, developing that confidence in the movements that they already consistently make in whatever position or role that they play. So it doesn't require much for me. Like it's just about setting it up and making sure I keep the level high. So maybe then I'm, I'm actually like more quiet because I have to focus on my touch to keep it going. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, you know, it's in, it's in, it's in those sessions where, when I come in with communication is even is even more important because now I have to make sure when I come in with any kind of information like it means something to them yeah we always have we don't I mean we definitely have coaches in the past I was having a personal training with a coach in the past that just say a bunch of let's say so a couple things and you're just like that's not really right at all that's not (laughs) how I should do it and then do you really listen to them the same after that no you should, because you know it's, it's obviously your coach. Maybe they mess up what he said, but it's just like kind of a natural instinct in us as humans, right? Maybe if we hear something wrong a couple times, and just the next time we might kind of tune it out, or maybe we don't even expect to hear anything good, but then we hear something good and we miss it. But also on the trainer, on the trainer side of that thing too, is like yeah. being aware of, you know, if you got something wrong, yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 recognizing yeah. it, like just like a player, if they make a mistake, they got to fix it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a, a trainer or a coach doing the same thing because actually it builds credibility with your players because no one is perfect. And if if you just like are so like egotistical to where you can't see past your own errors and your mistakes and and you just think you're perfect, even though, you know, you made a mistake like players are going to pick up on that and then you lose credibility. Exactly. So that's really important. Um, as far as like the personal connection, like I think that that's really important. I think it's the most important. I think it's the yeah, it's the most important. Like I never had a coach, or or I mean, I never had a trainer at all. But I never really had a coach where I was like, ah, you know, they they got me. You know what I mean? Like no matter what, like they're looking out for me, and they have my best interests in mind. So for my players, again, I'm not like the most outgoing person, so I'm not going to be like like just goofing around the whole time and stuff like that. Like I'm there to do a job and you're there to get work, so we're going to work. But there's room for jokes in there, you know? There's room for laughs in there and we'll have those times. But most importantly, like do you feel safe and comfortable with me? And I, that's, that's the one thing that I hope that every player that I work with has that sense of feeling because if they do, then I know that they're, they're even, even if I'm the worst trainer in the world, like, even if I have no idea what I'm talking about, like they're getting something from it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're touching the ball. They're going to get something out of it. But like you said, they might not get the most technical side out of it, but at least they, they get confidence and they get someone that is there for that hour, for the hour and a half, however long that. A mentor, a guide that is yeah, going yeah. to like be a lifeline, a support system for them through the rest of their career. And maybe that's even just what they need. Like in like the, 
personal side as well as it's like maybe they're in a situation where they're not really getting along with their teammates or their coach is being really hard on them and maybe they just start to kind of fall all over the sport or they're getting really upset with themselves in that sport and maybe that hour a week with you when they're uh, less stressed, they're just getting the touches they want, they know they're getting some good reps, they know the coaches there to help them specifically to build that relationship, that might be the thing that you know keeps them going when they can. Absolutely. And I think the last thing, arguably the most important thing, and I'm going to look straight into the camera when I say this, you got to know what you're talking about and you got to be able to do what you're asking your players to do. And if you can't do that, if you can't do that, that's a problem. That's a problem. I mean, if you look at like NBA trainers, like some of the best player development trainers in like in basketball, they didn't play in the NBA. Yeah. But it's like you, you realize your limitations maybe Maybe it's even just physically, like myself. Like I've had physical limitations where I've not been able to ad- advance myself as much as I maybe could have. But like technically, I can do everything that like I'm asking someone else to do, and I'm gonna continue developing that to where like for the rest of my life, I'm I'm continuing to own my craft as a technician as a trainer you know they're owning their craft as a player and you're obviously owning your craft as a technician which is going to in turn make you better as a player as well but you're more so focusing on that and that's what that player is going to be so i'm developing myself as a player but also the the ability to communicate the instruction the information the techniques the coaching points to be able to break it down like like having that technical proficiency as a trainer is critical, critical, critical. And, and look, like if you just didn't play at a high level, if you're just not in shape physically, like it's just going to be hard for you. And I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? We're here to be honest. We're here to spit the truth. Okay. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but if that's you, like that doesn't mean it has to be you forever. You can still develop yourself just the same way your players are, but you got to commit to it if that's what you really want. And you can't just like go out there and like just sit on a chair while you're running a training session. Like that just is not a professional look at all. Yeah. And even like when we were injured, like at first before surgery, I did a couple sessions. There were some parents that wanted to do sessions kind of after surgery. Like, oh, you can sit out and like, like I take that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Much I want to, but you yeah. don't want to do that. But yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But then you talk about like the, um, like the technician side of it, or like the, like just kind of owning your craft at it. The main thing I think when I personally I kind of think about is uh, the Sean Brickley guy. You know what I'm talking about? The NBA trainer? Yeah, yeah. Like he's a guy that like can sh- probably like, I mean, if he does a little pickup with those guys, he's probably going to be out there kind of getting some buckets. He'll be all right, but like, obviously he's not going to be able to play it. But all those players go to him to get better for a reason. Mm-hmm. You don't see like LeBron going to get trained by like D Wade. You don't see this to that. It's like he brings them something. And even though he's not at the level they're playing at yet, you know, he's still, he's probably, he's probably affected his stuff, but he's probably close to it in a sense. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no perfect. You're never yeah. going to reach yeah. your pinnacle. But he's gotten to the point where like they, 
players at that level, elite players, trust him and and they, you know, they they see his his worth as a trainer, right? Like they have his, they respect him, exactly. and and that's super important is the respect factor. Like you you have to be able to just show them that like you can do it. You can do what you're asking them to do. Um, I was gonna make one more point on that and it slipped my mind. What was I gonna say? It was on him. Oh, so with him, one thing that I've read about is the fact that, like we were talking about before, he really does make it about the player and like really studies them and their game to figure out what they need, what they need, what's going to help them the most, what certain sequences or patterns or what spots they prefer, like areas that, that they are already comfortable in to 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 build those strengths but then also looking at the weaknesses of their game and trying to add pieces to their game that they didn't have before to build a more well-rounded and complete player and and so that's really important too like that's that goes along with being a a you know technically proficient trainer is like are you studying this player and do you know exactly what they need and are you able to tailor your sessions to that player? And that kind of circles back to what you started on is like, are you just running a drill because you just want the drill to be run and you want it to look good for Instagram? Yeah. Or are you are you building an exercise? Even it's a, a very simple pattern, a simple pattern. Like it doesn't have to be super complex, but it relates to the game and it it presents a problem that this player needs to be able to solve for 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 whatever you know they are as a player and um and i think that's what what makes good trainers great you know and what makes good trainers that could be great average that's the difference it's all about the player but like we said before, you know, there this is a, a path to perfection, but there is no perfect. And so we are all on this journey and we're all just trying to continue to improve ourselves. And as a coach, as a trainer, you have to like create that image for the player. And if you're not doing it yourself, it's hard for someone else to follow you. And so it's important that we understand where we need to continue to improve as well. So what would you say is the area or areas that you would like to continue to improve as a trainer? Or rather, who do you want to still become as a trainer? I think one of the areas I want to improve at is kind of... Uh, it might even be like at my outside of training. It's just probably like uh, learning more about kind of each player. So maybe like maybe getting out to a couple more games. I've been better about that this year, but just really even like just talking to the player, talking to the parents, or a lot of the coaches you can even reach out to and like just really just ask them questions and then just try to try and do that and just continue to to be more attentive uh, with the player and kind of really focus on 
kind of what they need, but specifically like ways to kind of bring it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing I've been improving at a little more lately is just like, okay, if I know this player is not really, if he's maybe, he's confident getting the ball, but then he releases it too slow, or if there's this scenario, really just trying to figure out what, what can I, what drills can I have them do, or what words can I say to them? What technique can I have them focus on to really give them the most confidence with that, but make it not only about that? Because mm-hmm. I think that's as they get older, it, becomes, it comes down to like the tools are all there. You just got to make sure they're sharp mm-hmm. and just making sure that like you're sharpening them in the best way, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So just making sure like you're making this game related as possible, making it as realistic as possible, but at the same time, like they're getting more out of it than just what you are focusing on right then and there. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely does. I think for me, like I have, that's my strength. Yeah. The intuitive sense to know like what exactly a player needs the most yeah. and how to apply it in a training session. Mm-hmm. And then also recognize the exact moments that they need the certain information or the coaching or, you know, the, the, extra motivation or energy or whatever it may be to bring the most out of them and 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 to maximize like what we are getting from that specific moment and so that's that's where I would say like I feel like I'm the the most confident in and 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 the what I want to be better at and what I want to continue to develop is maybe I don't know how to put this exactly but I feel like there's a lot of science and and um data behind player development personal development the psychological aspect of things the physical development right like the sports performance side where I can actually use that information as backing for myself in the way that I communicate to players, in the way that I communicate to parents too, where it's, 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 it's basically just proving the points that I'm already trying to make. So that for me is like what I think can help take my, my, my own, you know, worth as a trainer, as a coach, to the next level because I, I really am fond of like I mean I can use Abraham as an example you know he's someone that we work with a lot and he's in the sports performance field and he does a lot of research a lot of research and so just like kind of the vocabulary he uses to to explain um, certain things like it's impressive it makes you listen you know And, uh, it definitely like builds more credibility for yourself and more respect. So yeah, I, I have done a lot of coaching education. I'll continue to do more, but maybe the sports performance education, scientific education, the communication education, you know, the, uh, the personal relations education. All those things kind of tie together. And um, that's what coaching is. It's like you're not just a, a, a coach, but you're a mentor, you're a guide, you're a you know nutritionist, you're 
you know, a, a strength and conditioning specialist, you're, you know, a technician, you're, you're everything in one, like a manager, everything. So you have to be able to wear all those hats. And the more you know, the more successful you can be. Exactly. And if you are out there and you are, you know, going to these trainers that are just doing that stuff, then it's working for you. I mean, hey, you know, keep doing, doing what stuff, Evan? What are you talking about? People will know what we're talking about. Everybody's see that. Because, you know, I know mean, some parents the kids go to it, and the kids are good, and they're happy. You get touched at the end of the day, but that's not how we do things here. There's so much more to it than that. Yeah, yeah so much more to it well i think we pretty much hit the nail on the head right there so hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and if you did go ahead and uh give us a like and a review and a subscribe and a share amongst your network because we want to spread the good word and (laughs) and and give the people more of this valuable insight so um that's all we got for this week. We got a World Cup preview coming up next. We said we were going to do it this time, but we lied. Had some technical difficulties. Twice. Twice. So third time's a charm. We'll see. We'll see. Next time, we will have our World Cup predictions for you. So stay tuned. Footy Pod 38, how to separate yourself as a trainer. Peace.